man, I am so excited to be here. This is, um, this is really crazy for me and just so cool because as, as Vance said, I pastor this strange church in Louisiana. As far as we know, it's the only church in the nation where you, you, have, to, you, you have to commit to love and serve Las Vegas to join. We don't know that there's any other one. <laughs> and, and, and yet this is the first time I've preached in Las Vegas. I've been here for meeting after meeting and, and, uh, and, and mentoring and working with churches. I used to serve at a mission agency and I'd be in and out of different places like this. And, 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 and yet for the first time, you know, I get to stand with a group of, of folks that didn't even know, don't even know me and know that I pastor this, this incredible church that, that loves you and wants to serve you and, and, and be with you. And it's just really cool to be a part of, uh, of you today. And it, it is a very strange time of life for us. Um, we never thought we would, we would leave our church. We never dreamed, never had a resume. But in God's you know, miraculous ways that he does things, he's called us to one of the great, great mission churches in all of the country. And, uh, and in a few weeks, we'll, we'll be there. And, and Vance is right. As far as kingdom stuff is concerned, I'm excited because our mission pastor at First West has said, you know, we're not just because you're leaving doesn't mean we change our mission partnership. So we're still on for you in the church I pastor now. And uh, now I'm going to a church that we haven't settled this yet. They think... Several there think that years ago, they helped start this church here in Las Vegas. So I can't, and I, I know they've been a part of it through the years. We've got some common relationships. So I just, I can't wait to find all that, all that out. But I'm excited about the future, and I'm excited about right now. Um, because there's nothing more precious to my heart than awakening. Than God's people awakening to everything, everything, everything he has for you. It, this is a new message on my heart. Um, very fresh. I don't know a good title for it except this, greedy for God. That's all I've got. Just greedy for God, you know? You know what it's like to be, to be greedy? I mean, most of us do. There's some, some lust, some desire, some sinful thing that we just want. We want it. We want it. We want it. You ever felt about God that way? Just greedy for him. You see, you get a little bit. If you start really just feeding and being nourished on who he is, then, then what happens is that, that hunger develops and you get greedy for him and you just you don't know what to do if you just can't have more, more, more of him. And that's what I want us to talk about today because I've seen it with my eyes. I studied all through my, my, uh, my education. I studied uh, about the great moves of God in history. It was so cool to see the things God has done that are just so supernatural. But, but I don't want to just study it. I want to be a part of it. I want to see it. I want to experience it. And, and, and this past Tuesday, I got, a, I got a, a tweet from a friend, a young man, reminding me that 18 years ago, this past Tuesday, God broke loose in a church in a dusty town in Brownwood, Texas. You'd have a hard time finding it from here, really. And God broke loose. When that student, Chris Robinson, who I just found out today, Vance knows very well and has been to Africa on mission with, when that student came forward in a service, January the 22nd of 1995, after he and college students at Howard Penn University had prayed and sought God for an awakening, and they came to an early 8 o'clock service, mostly old people, and here's this college group sitting there. Seriously. <laughs> college students don't get up at 8 o'clock, you know, most of them. And, and they came, but they had been fasting and praying. They all sat there, and at the end of the service, Chris came forward. And he said, I think God's given me something that I need to share. And he shared from Joel chapter 2 about returning to the Lord with all your heart, really about being greedy for God. 
And I can't, I don't have time to explain what happened, but it was like a flood broke loose in our, in our very traditional church that day. And the altar flooded with people. It was like a war zone. People were on their faces, weeping, crying out to God. We had to cancel our small group Bible studies we had because nobody would leave. And the next service came in and joined in with us. We went into the afternoon. We finally took a break and came back that night. People were just hanging off the rafters. And God began to move all across our community, changed our community. We saw more people saved at the real height of that movement in one week than all the churches had seen in 10 years. 10 years. And it spread to campuses all across America. We weren't doing anything. Just students were going and just sharing what God was doing. And, and it began to just spread and just blow up. And, and then students began to say, I can't, I can't take my normal path to life anymore. God, where do you want me? And God began to call them out to mission and began to call them to himself all over the world. And today, 18 years later, spread out all over the world and all over our country are Christ followers who know what it is to have been awakened. And when I talk to them, I, I say, how are you doing? Oh, we're doing great, except, except. We just can't stand church as normal anymore. We just can't stand it. They've never gotten over what it was to be awakened. And that's what I pray for you, that you'll never get over Jesus, never get over him, and that you'll be greedy for him today. And then he'll do something fresh in you today, tonight, tomorrow, and that'll just spread from here in this wild way, and yet controlled by the Spirit of God. That's what he does. And that's what we're going to go after today. Sound good to you? Let's go after it. All right. Open the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. This is my life passage, and yet this is a fresh, fresh Word of God it, to me. It came out of 40 days of prayer and fasting this fall, where God spoke to me. I have never, never, never been more focused on what He wants to do in my life and in the lives of anyone that He calls me to be a part of, even if it's just, just these moments of time we have. And I want to share with you what He has shared with me from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21 about what he longs to do if we'll get greedy for him, what will happen when he awakens us. It, it won't look like it looked in 1995 in Brownwood. I don't know what it'll look like in, in how it manifests itself because, because God is this great creator, and he's very creative, and he doesn't repeat himself. But I know when we awaken, there are certain things that will happen because they're right here in the Word of God, and we're going to see them. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Now to him who is able, and the word the phrase who is able means he is powerfully capable of doing this, and it really implies this is what he wants to do and will do. Now to him who is able to do what? Immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever Amen. Now, I don't know if you noticed the asterisk. It says that this is his, it's right at the bottom of the page. This is his plan everywhere except Las Vegas. That's what it says. No, I don't, I don't see any asterisk, do you? You know, people all over the world, I, you know, people that have never been to Las Vegas, they, they, they have this strange, you know, whacked out view of what Las Vegas is, and they wouldn't even imagine something like this would happen in Las Vegas, in city, oh, you know. You know what this city is? This is a city full of hungry, starving people. And there's no asterisk. This is God's plan for this city, for what he wants to do right here in your lives, in your heart, in your family, in your friends. And there is no asterisk. But we got we to gotta get greedy for him 
for him. And one thing about the city that I wonder, maybe in this city, maybe, in, maybe more than in other places, or at least some other places, maybe in this city, maybe there a, comes a point when people have said, we've tried every single other stinking thing in this world and we are empty. Is there anything that could fill me up? And there is. We know his name and he tells us what he'll do right here. I wish I had my children here. My kids are just are, are great. I love them. But let me kind of introduce you to him in an unusual way. Uh, my, my, my kids, Christy, Amy, and, and Trey, uh, I think you're going to see their, their pictures. They're, they, uh, they're great kids and gifted and Christ followers. But when they were, when they were babies, they ate weird stuff. I, I don't know how your kids do, but um, they ate weird stuff. That, that little boy of mine now, that you know, handsome-looking young man about to go to law school, uh, when he was a, a little toddler or a little crawler, uh, my wife comes in the room and says, Hey, um, where's Trey? And I said, well, you have him. She goes, no, you have him. I said, no, you have him. We had a little argument. And then we realized we, we've lost our, our son. We start running around the house looking for him. We can't find him. Then I noticed the door to the garage is open. Ooh, lots of bad stuff in there for a little crawler to be getting into. I throw the door open, didn't know whether to laugh or cry with relief because he's sitting in front of the dog food bowl having himself a snack. <laughs> Smiling, covered in Alpo, you know, from head to toe, just having fun. Now, that middle beautiful girl there, Amy, uh, she, she my, boy, what a missional heart, lived in, lived in the Middle East, and she, she's my nurse, cares for, for people, she just loves everybody. Um, but, but we had a direct line to the poison control center when she was small. <laughs> she just, you know, we, we tried to be good parents, but we couldn't keep it all away from her. She did anything poison she could find. So one day, Donna's polishing the furniture. You know, she's polishing away. She just sets the furniture polish down there, polishes over here, turns back around, and Amy's slugging down the lemon pledge. <laughs> and she didn't die, but she had lemon-fresh breath for months after that. And, um, but the best, the best, and she hates it when I tell this story, because this is my theater... Theater actress Christy was uh, uh, her last role was Cinderella in the State Theater of Georgia, and she you know, she's pregnant now, so no more Cinderella for a while. But um, uh, when she was little, she loved to go fishing with Daddy, and I'd take her out in Texas. We called them the tanks. They're just a pond, but the tanks we called them. We'd take her out to the to take her out there, and I'd sit her away from the water and, and bring some toys, and I'd put out a catfish line, and then I'd walk along the, the, the banks fishing for bass. And I'd watch her, and she was good. She'd play. She loved to be with Daddy. Well, one day I'm doing that, and, and I looked, and I saw something was hanging out of her mouth. What has she got in her mouth? And then I realized she had gotten into my catfish bait, and my catfish bait was big Canadian night crawlers about that long. And it looked like a toy to her wiggling all around, and she stuck it in the corner of her mouth. I dropped the pole, and I'm running over there, yelling, Christy, Christy, Christy. You ever seen somebody eat pasta? I run over there, pry her mouth open. I'm digging around. It's gone. I told her mama about it a few years later, and uh, it uh, worked out okay. <laughs> now, here's the deal. I will give my kids anything good they want to eat, and they eat poison and dog food and worms. <laughs> Why? Because that's the way our human nature is when we're babies. Well, you know what? God doesn't want us to stay in spiritual immaturity. An awakening means growing up and putting away all the spiritual junk food and poison and worms and getting greedy for what God has for us. And he'll pour it out. He'll, he'll pour it out in, in us and, and through us. Now, I want you to see what, what 
what could happen in you. Again, I can't tell you how it'll actually manifest, but I, I can show you what'll happen because it's not me, it's what God says. This is what he wants to do. This is what he will do. This is what will happen in us when we awaken and get greedy for him. And these are the things that came out of this fasting time with the Lord that I want to share with you today. Number one, we'll be a chapter, a chapter in the Spirit story. We will be a chapter in the Spirit story. You know, that's so different than what we usually think about church being. For, for many, many people, church is the place we come to try to learn something to help us make it and, and to stop sinning so much. Now compare that to what Ephesians 3 says. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all you could ask or imagine. Now I want you to think about that a moment. What, what would you ask him for if you could ask him for anything? If you were to say today, Lord, a year from now, when we were back here together, what if we gathered all together just like this, what would you want God to do in your life and in this church and in this community in the next year? Well, let's go beyond that. What would you imagine? What would you dream? The word imagine means dream. What would you dream of him doing? Do you hear what he says? In fact, in the Greek language, this is almost impossible to translate it. It, it means something like super abundantly more. It has a, a, it has a sense of conquering about it. It's, it's like God is saying there's something so impossible that only I can conquer it, and this is what I want to do. More, super abundantly, immeasurably more than you could even dream of. So whatever it is you're thinking right now, I know what I'd ask God for in my life and, and, and in, this, in this church, in this community. He says, you know what, I'd like to do more. I, I want to write you as a chapter in my story. I want to write your church as a chapter in my story. You are a character in the story of God. I mean, this is incredible to realize. God is writing this magnificent narrative, and we're in the middle of it. And you compare that to, well, I'm going to church, so I can try not to sin so much. No, 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 no. We come here to get filled and equipped and cast in the drama of the story of God. And he wants to send us out to do more than we can even imagine. Now, here's the problem. It's easy to think about this when the story is, seems good to us and when all the endings seem happy to us. You know, like the movies my, li my wife likes to see. You know, my, my, my wife and I have such different tastes in movies. You know, I, she, she hates it when I do this. When I go to one of the, our date movies, one of the chick flicks, you know, we start to watch it, and I'll whisper, I can tell you what's going to happen. she goes, go, shh. I'll say, see that guy and that girl that are arguing? They're going to get together. Be quiet. You know, and, and it always happens. They, you know, they get, they're all happy at the end, and she's crying. Oh, yeah. But I knew what was going to happen, so it was no fun for me. I could have some suspense, you know, some car chases or something. Yeah, amen, I know. Yeah, that, thank you there, brother. <laughs> But I love my wife, so I go on these chick flicks with all the happy endings. It's always a happy ending. They all fall in love, live happily ever after. But our stories aren't always like that, are they? Is, is God still writing our stories when we, when we don't understand what he does? I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here over here crying, and I don't even know the precious sister who died. But I'm thinking, Lord, these folks don't know. I didn't know when I came in what I that, there was going to be this death in the church, and, and I'm sharing these stories I'm about to share. What about when the ending's not happy? Can God still be working? Can he still be doing more than we can imagine? Mm -hmm. Several years ago, I was walking in Damascus, Syria, beside a dear friend named Dan. 
We were walking along, and Dan was just weeping as they were walking. And we were, we were rejoicing over the chance to be there and the work that God was doing there in, in, in Syria. But he was also weeping because it was the anniversary of his first wife's death, and we were talking about it. He was on the mission field, and his wife died of a strange virus. Couldn't even say goodbye to the children. And um, meanwhile, in another part of the world, there was a, a woman who was also a missionary, and her husband, out of the blue, got liver cancer, and he died. And as I was walking with Dan with my some of my family, my wife, one of my children, walking through, through the marketplace in Damascus. We were talking about the strange ways of God because these two missionaries who lost their spouses met, fell in love, and married, and they both had four children. They became the Brady Bunch of missions immediately. And a couple of years ago in Egypt, I was kind of pastoring some of our missionaries, our undercover missionaries, and Dan said, I got something to tell you. And I said, what? And he said, we're pregnant. I said, what? He says, we're pregnant. They have nine children from preschool to college. Okay? And they're the most powerful, incredible, God-filled people you could ever want to know. And Dan, Dan told me one day, he said, I know this is going to sound very strange, but I, I, I really believe I wouldn't bring my wife back. And his tears are coming down. He says, I, I, I love her desperately. I, I love my first wife desperately, but I wouldn't bring her back because she's not suffering. She's, she doesn't have any problem right now. And God has used her death in these phenomenal ways. And, and I have this family I never dreamed. He said, I don't understand any of it, but I know, I know, I know that he's real and he's sovereign. I can trust him. He's, he was writing their story. By the way, I, I, uh, I wrote a book called Authentic Power, and I, I give the proceeds to missions, so I'm not pushing the book to make any money or anything. But if you ever get Authentic Power online, you can read their story. I don't use their names. And when I read, wrote their story in the book, Dan sat his whole family down. He said, I want to read you something. I want to read you something that our, our friend, uh, our friend uh, John wrote. And he reads their family story. And as he's reading it, he finishes, and one of their younger children said, Dan, that's really weird. There's somebody else just like us. <laughs> You say, well, that's a long way away, though. What about, what about in our country where we live? Um, I'll go back home tomorrow and share life for a couple more weeks with one of the greatest people on this earth. His name is Richard Gates. And uh, several years ago, one of the godliest women you'd ever meet, his wife, um, died of cancer. And they had the funeral, and Richard is just broken, but he's handling it well until just a few days later, his daughter went to Target just to shop and came out, and a stranger kidnapped her and took her out in the woods and raped her and stabbed her and cut her throat and left her there dead. Except she wasn't dead. And she crawled out of the woods and left. Uh, you there, God? Excuse me. What are you doing? What are you doing? I mean, can God be writing our stories when these miserable, horrific things happen? Richard Gates' daughter is a pastor's wife now, sharing the most incredible testimony, full of joy. The man was captured. He's in prison. I took Richard with us. We went to the Holy Land, and we stood at the Garden of Gethsemane, and there was pouring rain. It was dark, pouring rain. We're standing there with umbrellas over us, and Richard said he wanted to share, and he began to share it. He said, I just want everybody here to know you know my story, but I want you to know that God has placed a deep forgiveness on my heart. 
And he said, I want you to know my intention is to go to the prison in Angola where this man is who tried to kill my daughter. And I'm going to forgive him and share the gospel with him. And y'all, my wife was there. She saw it. She, she knows I'm not making this up. As soon as he shared that, the clouds broke. The sun came out and began shining through. We're standing there where the angels ministered to Jesus in Gethsemane. We're just weeping. The angels of God were there. He's writing your story on the worst day of your life. One of my best friends, this man named Gary Witherall. I want to show you Gary and his precious wife, Bonnie. Uh, Gary um, is my mentor, but for a while I had to mentor him because I, can't, I couldn't uh, introduce you to, to, uh, to Bonnie. I, I could to Gary if he was here. But they were missionaries, uh, and Bonnie was opening the clinic where she served as a missionary in southern Lebanon, and she was murdered by a terrorist. She was shot in the head and killed. And Gary came immediately home and was in our church, and I began to minister to him and help him to, to heal. And I remember him standing before our people. There were all these newspapers and, and television. It was an international news story. And he stood there. He had just got off the plane, and they, the CIA got him out. They were trying to kill him too. And he stands there. Just, I said, Gary, you sure you can do this? Yeah, I want to do this. And he stands there and begins to share. And he says, I want you to know I, I, I have nothing. I have, I have no home. I have no car. I have the clothes on my back. I, I, I have no job. I have no wife. But I have Jesus, and he is this rock beneath my feet. This cameraman for a, for a state television station is just weeping, crying. A few years later, Gary met a beautiful young woman. I had the privilege of doing their wedding. By the way, her grandfather was Roger Udarian. If you've never seen the movie, The End of the Spear, her grandfather was a martyr a missionary martyr. I married the granddaughter of a famous martyr to the widower of a martyr. And, and, and a summer or so ago with their children, here's, here they were in, in our town with us in our home celebrating life. And Gary is now leading, including led my daughter, where she went to live in the same place where Bonnie was murdered, is now leading people back to bring the gospel to the same people who want to kill us, the same people who killed his wife. And when, when I'm with, I'm with Gary every year, I have to be to get his mentoring. And I was with him a couple years ago, and I'll never forget what he said. I said, pour some truth into me. And he said, John... Guard yourself about pride and ego. You speak to a lot of people. You write books. Be careful. Don't climb Mount John. Don't climb Mount John. I said, oh, man. And he said, John, I want you to know something. He said, on the day I die, there's fire in his eyes as he said this. On the day I die, whether it's by bullets or old age, everybody's going to know that the mountain I climbed was to take the gospel to the hardest people on earth and kick the devil's butt. That's what he said. <laughs> Now, that's a man who knows why he's on this earth. I don't know why bad things happen. I don't know why pain comes your way. I don't know why God takes people from us when it seems too early for us. But I know this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And that's even when the ending doesn't seem good to us. Awaken. Get greedy for God, greedy for him. Trust his sovereignty no matter what. Here's the second thing that's going to happen when we awaken. We will become powerful disciples who go viral. Powerful disciples who go viral. This is so cool. Now to him who's able to do all this immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, listen to this, according to his power, his power that's at work within us. The word power is dunamis in the Greek. We get dynamite from it. And the phrase at work is energeo. We get our word energy from it. Literally, it says, I'm going to do explosively powerful things in you together. Don't isolate. This is a, this is a, a, a word about the church. In you together, you're going to awaken. 
to my power in you. And I'm going to energize you for everything that I want to do. And then I'm going to take it out viral among others who need to be here too and who need to know this power too. Now, now i got to tell you something happened yesterday. I didn't intend to share this, but I, it just, my wife said, you have to. You just have to. All right, we're going, um, uh, we're going to see the Hoover Dam yesterday. Never been. And uh, so we drive out there, and, and uh, my wife loves Starbucks. I don't drink coffee. She loves Starbucks. We get into Boulder City there. We're about to turn to go to the dam. She goes, oh, Starbucks. <sighs> so I go, I go to the drive-thru. There is no drive-thru. So I look over there, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to bless my wife. I'll go get you something. Oh, she's about to have knee surgery, so she's having trouble walking. So I'm going to go get you Okay, she's no, it's, it's a good, good thing. So I go in to get her. Uh, fried tea, chai, latte, frappuccino, I don't know. It's 16 words to it. I've lost it. But I I go in there, and I order it, and then, you know, you go to the end, and I'm standing there, standing there, waiting for it to to come, and just just waiting. That's all I'm I'm doing. And um, there's a guy. I just kind of noticed him. He was standing over on the other side of the place, and he comes walking over and stands right beside me. He's waiting for whatever he ordered, too. He stands right over there, and we're standing there. Now, you know, Pastors look forward to sometimes where there's places they don't know anyone. Just places where they can just chill, chill out. No one's going to need counseling or help. Starbucks, Boulder City, Hoover Dam has got to be one of those places, I'm thinking. I'm standing here. He's standing there in the sight of God. This is what happens. He says, could I be your buddy and open up to you just for a moment about something? I said, well, and when I did it, he looked at me, and he went, Bluetooth. He was having a conversation on his phone. He didn't need me for a buddy. I just thought he did. I, I just wanted to get that Thai chi fried lappuccino, whatever it was, and get out. I was so embarrassed. <laughs> you know what, though? There's a lot of people that will run into you at Starbucks or anywhere else you are that if they knew you would be their friend, they'd do just that because they're so stinking lonely they don't know what to do. When I was, uh, before I, just before I came to Jesus, I was in a rock band and sang, uh, sang a lead. We were doing what we call classic rock now, you know, the great music, you know, Boston, Kansas, you know, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I still love that, you know. So, uh, you know, at one point I could even hit the high note of more than a feeling, you know, Marianne, you know. I don't, I don't think I'd do that anymore. I, I, something would break inside me if I tried to do that again. But uh, it was, those were, those were fun times. And uh, uh, I, Boston's my favorite classic rock group. Just love it, love it, know all of the songs. Brad Delp possibly has, have more people have listened to him sing than maybe any other human being alive. Uh, Brad Delp, lead singer for Boston, had uh, what else could you have and want in life apart from the Lord? Um, money, fame, everything you could possibly want. That's why it's a really strange thing that in 2007 he locked himself in his bathroom with two gas grills, turned them on, and pinned a, a note to his, to his shirt that said, I am a lonely soul, and killed himself. 
You want to know how to see the power of God unleashed here? Let anybody who walks in these doors feel like there are signs everywhere saying, no lonely souls allowed here. Love people. Look around with Jesus' eyes everywhere you go, here and everywhere, because there's somebody standing next to you almost every day, everywhere. They're not on a Bluetooth talking to somebody. They really are a lonely soul, and the people of God are meant to eliminate lonely souls. And when that becomes what happens here, and people can't wait to get here because this is the one place where they can be who they are but, and be accepted for who they are, but challenged to be all they can be in God. And where they can get greedy for God here and then go viral, go viral. Get it out there so there's no lonely souls here and then there's no lonely souls out there. That's what will happen when we awaken. Third, we'll love Mondays because of missional movements. What happens when your alarm goes off tomorrow morning? I know what happens when your alarm goes off tomorrow morning. You go, "Woo! it's Monday morning, and you jump up, right? <laughs> no? Why not? Why not? Listen to this. He's able to do immeasurably more, all we ask or imagine, according to his power at work within us, to him be glory. That means he shines. In the church, that's you. And in Christ Jesus, that's him in us. That means his glory is meant to shine everywhere. And that you are meant to be a missional life, a life that is characterized by the mission heart of God. And that when you wake up tomorrow morning, you are appointed by the king as a viral, powerful disciple of his, a character in his story. And tomorrow is a day of mission for you, created for it by the creator of the universe. Why in the world shouldn't we want to get up tomorrow morning? That's what happens when we get greedy for God and awaken to all that he, he is and, 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 and does. We, we get this joy that comes when his glory shines in and around us. And we begin to see the reason God put us on this earth. It's for movements of his in and through us. I'm leaving some great people at my church. One of them is Mark Paris. He's a, he's a, a layman, a businessman who, um, who is on our staff for free. He, he, he gives us, I don't know where he finds all the time, but his job is to help us transform our community. And what he's done, if I had time to tell you, is simply astonishing. And I was so nervous about telling him that we were leaving. And I sat with him at lunch and told him, and he was shocked. And, you know, we're both kind of teary-eyed. But then the rest of the lunch was really great. I mean, it was just two friends having lunch. And at the end, I said, Mark, I'm just so glad you're not mad at me. I really thought you might be mad at me. He said, why would I be mad at you? I said, well, you know, we've done this together, and I'm leaving, and I just, I just worried about that. He said, John, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I don't do this for you. <laughs> he said, the day after you leave, I'll get up that morning, and I'll be on mission for God. I thought, I can go. I got peace. I can go. That's what, that's what we're after, unleashing you to go viral as his disciples and be a part of his movements in this world. That's what awakening looks like. So what do you do? I mean, what do you do to really be ready for, for what he wants to do, to be greedy for him? Then if we're going to be ready, we've got to focus. We have to focus, focus, focus our passion. We focus our passion, focus our lives through purposeful passion. I call it purposeful passion. Here's what I mean by this. The last of this passage says... He'll do this throughout all generations forever and ever. Think about this. We, we all have a lot of passions in life. 
but do we focus our passion where it matters most? What is God calling you to do that will make a difference through all generations forever? Think about that. What if you focused your life? doesn't mean you don't you know, play golf or go running or anything else that isn't a part of that eternal focus, but is there in your life at all a forever focus? And you can say, you know what? I know what God has called me to, and I'm focused on it. And what I'm doing will have significance long after I'm gone and forever and ever because I'm touching lives for eternity. That's how you get ready to awaken. He's the one that does it. We don't really, we're not here today to say, what are the 10 things we could do to awaken? No, what we do today is we surrender ourselves and we say, God, I am so greedy for you. I want you to focus my life on forever passion, what matters, what matters, what matters forever. And when you surrender to him that way, get ready because you're going to awaken. And God's going to do amazing, amazing, amazing things in and through you in this church the last word of this passage is amen. You know what the word literally means? It wasn't always a prayer word. It just means yes. Yes. And when it's used as a prayer, it's the big yes. And in this case, this is what God is saying to us. He says, I'm able to do these things, and I say yes over you. Yes. This is what I want to do. This is what I choose to do. This is what I will do. Yes. 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 And he's waiting to see Will we say yes back? And if we do, here's what awakening looks like, and I'm done. In my former church in Atlanta, I was standing down here at the end of the service, and people had lined up to talk to me. I enjoy that. They were lined up to talk to me. And I noticed three or four people back, there was a a little boy, I don't know, maybe five years old. And he's waiting very patiently. That was unusual. And the first two people, you know, kind of telling long stories and kind of trying to get on to this little boy. And I finally got to him and I knelt down beside him and I said, uh, I said, son, I said, you were so patient waiting for Pastor John. Do you want to talk to me about something? He went. I said, well, I said, you know, Pastor John loves children. You can tell me anything you want. Don't be nervous. What would you like to tell me? I don't know what to do. I'm just standing there, but I didn't have to wait long. Because he slapped me on the arm and said, you're it, and ran down the aisle. (laughs) Well, I'm kind of a big kid at heart. All these people standing there, eyes wide. I said, excuse me, and I chased him down the aisle. And I caught him at the back, and I slapped him on the back, and I said, no, you're it. And I took off down the aisles, and I'm weaving around the aisles. Well, this kid's fast. And he caught me right down front and slapped me square on the rear end. I bet his mama was out there having a heart attack. Slapped me square on the rear end. Said, you're it. And off he went. Well, I just turned to the next guy in line and slapped him and said, you're it. (laughs) There was an old woman beside him. He looked at her. She looked at him like, no way, buddy. (laughs) He just touched her arm and said, ma'am, I think you're it. Then she had fun. Wham, she hit the next guy. You're it. And a game of tag broke out right there. In, it's most fun we had in church in years. <laughs> Here's the gospel. Creator of the universe comes to us in this flesh and bone. Never sins so that all that junk we've done, he could take on himself, crying, bleeding, dying on a cross. 
and say, you can't bear it. I know you can't, but I, I can. I'll bear it for you. I'll take it all away right now, all of it away. And then he conquered death. He conquered it. So those that we love when they die, they're not dead anymore. He conquered it. And then, and then he did this incredible thing. And then he said, now, you're it. I'm filling you with my spirit. I'm sending you into this world full of me. Get greedy for me. That's what he says. Do you hear his voice? Do you hear it? Do you hear his whisper? You're it. You're it. You're it. Then get greedy for everything he has, and you will awaken to a life beyond your dreams. Lord Jesus, I pray you'd do it. I pray you'd do it right now. I pray you'd pour yourself out, Lord, on each person here. Father, that you would do more than we could ask or imagine. Start it now. Build it tonight. Flow into it tomorrow. And then, Lord, let every person here, greedy for you, wake up tomorrow morning, Lord, when that alarm goes off, hungry for you, greedy for you, ready to be awakened to all you want to do.